the clock strikes half past midday. Welcome to Extended Clip, episode 34. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm uh, Barstool Malcolm of, of the new uh, Barstool podcast, Barstool Extended Clip, the official <laughs> film podcast of Barstool. What about you? Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm JT White. There was some news yeah. in the sports world this oh, week. Oh, oh, no. And now Malcolm's <laughs> the bad guy for Joe. I didn't, I didn't oh. see. I, I didn't think about it that way. But yeah, I guess uh, rest in peace, Kobe. I'll yeah, be I mean, the one first to say it. You've probably heard enough coverage yeah. about it, but uh, it it is actually kind of like a hard one to take. Yeah, uh, I just kind of was watching highlight film for or highlight videos rather uh, for most of that day, as well as watching Unstoppable because I wanted to yeah. also just take my mind off it because being online the day he died was so fucking hard. Yeah, that I just had to log off and like fucking watch a couple good movies. Hell yeah! Hey, that's the remedy. If extended, <laughs> if extended clip knows anything. It's movies, right? So, uh, 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 our barstool extended clip. I'm sorry. Barstool presents extended <laughs> clip, or is extended clip a barstool podcast better? Dang, I don't know. I think they have like a way that they format their shows where it's like barstool blank or something like that. It's like I'm barstool Malcolm, you know. <laughs> You just you just give your soul to that company. You just give give them your everything, and you know what? They you get a fan base in return. That's all I got to say on that. Uh, so this week's double feature was brought to us by JT, and it is of Fatal Pulse, uh, the Damon Packard film from 2018, and Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie, the 2012 film directed by Tim Heidecker and Eric Wareheim. Um, JT, what what made you program such an utterly twisted double feature <laughs> on this podcast? Um, well, these are both like films that I wanted to talk about. Um, each of them eventually on the podcast, uh, and I feel like there's such a strong link between just like how funny and disturbing both of the movies are. And, like, also, I feel like they have a lot of, like, David Lynch in them in, like, looking for artists that, like, are definitely taking, like, his style uh, into the new decade um, and doing different things with that. I think Packard and uh, Tim and Eric are definitely, like, sort of his successors in that regard. And also, they're, like... Um, satires of like sort of hollow corporate culture and say a lot about late capitalism in really interesting ways i never made the lynch connection before and i think especially with packard it's definitely apt at least with the one i just saw fatal pulse yeah definitely uh like i think it showed the connection between lynch and tim and eric yeah <laughs> in night pulse when you know you get the pitch shifted dialogue and mm -hmm. stuff like that and certain editing patterns that you realize oh yeah this kind of you know as extended clip loves to showcase the high and low brow uh, <laughs> you know the the kind of avant-garde tendencies that david lynch shows uh in some of his work and like the low brow gross out humor of a tim and eric uh formally being uh similar in certain regards so to start us off with night pulse or fatal pulse or uh, what's what's another title that this uh, one went untitled by? Untitled Yuppie Fear Thriller, which Untitled Yuppie Fear Thriller is probably my favorite. Yeah, uh, me too. But yeah, I can do a little bit of like Packard like history. Oh yeah, and sort of how I came about uh, Fatal Pulse in the first place. Um, I saw the premiere of Fatal Pulse. It was like shortly after Nico and I had like moved out to L.A. We were looking for like interesting screenings to go to. 
and saw that there was this premiere for a film called Untitled Yuppie Fear Thriller. The description of it was just like pretty vague and like, I don't know, it's very hard to describe what this movie is, but just sort of said that it was the first night screening of it. Uh, and we went and uh, there was a double feature of a later movie of his, Fox Fur, um, and we were both just blown away and uh, found out about like the whole sort of Packard verse and his mm-hmm. very disturbing version of L.A. that pops up like across all of his films. Just briefly, he was from like Ohio at first, but I think had like industry like connections out here and was like one of those kind of like 70s movie guys that like grew up with like Star Wars and stuff like that and was like interested in like uh, I know like he lists like early Spielberg as like a big influence of his Mm -hmm. which is like kind of weird because you definitely don't pick up on that no um (laughs) from like what he's doing but like I don't know you can sort of sense with his sensibility that he's like appreciates or I mean he's very nostalgic and like appreciates like past filmmakers work but is sort of bitter and like with how uh, they're stepping forth in like the new millennium, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, from there uh, in like his early like film projects, like a relative of his died and gave him like half a million dollars inheritance, and that's where he made his first like big feature, uh, Reflections of Evil, in two thousand two, which I've also seen and I think is like his masterpiece. That has like Packard himself in it as like this crazy like huge obese man like eating trash across like the streets of LA um, because he's like racked with like memories of like a woman or like maybe his like sister who died Um, that's another like real wild uh, flick but he's been making things like since then that are all sort of like this like cut and paste sort of style where he's drawing a lot from like existing footage like definitely a lot more so than like Fatal Pulse and uh, stringing it together in a very schizophrenic way. Another one I watched uh, this week was Untitled Star Wars Mockumentary which is his sort of like take on uh, the George Lucas prequels. Um, Ooh, I'd be interested in checking that out. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely not like a prequels uh, sympathizer. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it, but like he does a lot of really funny stuff. Essentially, I mean, it opens with like a fake like sort of intro uh, by Tony Curtis talking about Packard's work. <laughs> that <laughs> um, sounds awesome. And then uh, the actual like movie itself is he's edited himself and like friends into the. Uh, industrial light magic like uh video like a uh a documentary feature from like the attack of the clones so it's just like he's like bitter cgi artists just like fucking pissed at lucas all the time (laughs) like just sometimes just working on like pornography like instead of the movie it's very uh it's it's much more comic uh or like straight up comic than fatal pulse so it's definitely worth i think it's on like vimeo so nice uh, thank you for the uh, the Packard lowdown, the pack, the dossier. The, yeah, the dossier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the necessary information for becoming fully Packard pilled. <laughs> we sent you the dossier, and you, you could review the files. <laughs> you could accept this mission if you choose to. Uh, what you said about not being able to see Spielberg, though, him, 
Uh, something he has in common with another kind of you know independent filmmaker in America right now, Joel Petrikas, uh, is kind of that feeling of watching Spielberg or any other kind of classic American movie that shows on cable all the time, mm-hmm. like on a couch. Yeah. Like those movies kind of reflect the feeling of watching that. It's not like the movie magic of going to see yeah. E.T. the first time. It's, you know, uh, you know, sitting through commercials in between breaks of whatever uh you know spill whatever classic films or tv you're watching or brian de palma films even for fatal pulse it feels more mm-hmm. like yeah uh and i really love that aspect yeah of yeah no actually watching relaxer like a week ago and watching this a day ago it's just like very similar themes of you know sitting on the couch watching tv these filmmakers <laughs> these filmmakers know this more not more than anything else but it's definitely it's felt that definitely earned their stripes in that category yeah um, so Fatal Pulse or Night Pulse or Untitled uh, Yuppie Fear Thriller. <laughs> going to do that every time. Yeah, gotta... every single time. Uh, it's like, a, oh, we should have done that for our year end one called it Irishman, the Irishman slash I Heard You Paint Houses. <laughs> I love telling people, it's uh, you know, it's actually I Heard You Paint Houses, right? People are saying it wrong. <laughs> people are saying it. <laughs> uh, so what is this movie? Okay. Um, so this, I mean, I watched it when we almost, uh, uh, did it a few weeks <laughs> earlier. I watched like the first half of this. Um, and then I just started from the beginning again today. And this was my like second and a half time watching this now. So I think I have a clear, um, idea of what's going on, but the, the long and short of it is you're with Trent like a movie executive, some high-profile individual who's involved with the elite, like a satanic Illuminati that run the country um, and control the entertainment uh, industry. Uh, He's having trouble with uh, Tobo, a uh, relative of his who's crashing on the couch uh, and is just constantly watching TV and also like murdering women at the night. And so it kind of flips between two timelines, right? Like, because uh, he's on the couch, and then is it a couple years later, Julia Roberts is on the couch, or is she first or something? It's like 1988, 1991. It's been a couple weeks. But uh, there's a time jump, and it goes back and forth. Am I correct in yes. this? Yeah, there are a few scenes that, like, hop back and forth from, like, 89 and 91. So it's kind of like... It's hard to keep track of the time as you're go- like the timeline as you're going through this film. It's very obscured by all the detours it takes that uh, feel like, you know, it might be in chronological order. It might have flashbacks. Some of it might be dreams or hallucinations mm-hmm. or whatever. It has that hallucinatory feeling of something like Inland Empire, you know, yeah. where you're just kind of attacked by this barrage of weirdos uh, who are shot in and edited in ways that you know, make the scenarios seem even weirder than they would be on paper. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so he meets with a bunch of celebrities uh, played by celebrity impersonators. It seems Uh, there's a really great William Friedkin uh, impersonator. That is one of my favorite parts of this movie. (laughs) Yeah. All the, I think, what do you call it? The, like the obvious non-celebrity cameos, like some like when Dick Cheney appears on screen, you get a nice Dick Cheney uh, subtitle under him. So that kind of of adds all to this quality of like, manicness and like all this is like most of this is like either like like i don't know like outside on the streets or just like people just chattering in a room and it's just Mm -hmm. like you just get cycled in it's like a hurricane it's just come across the room or some shit like that 
Uh, so yeah, as we said before, there is like pitch shifted dialogue similar to Lynch or Tim and Eric. And like, as the film unfolds, you see kind of how far Packard is going to take his style. He kind of just keeps expanding it mm-hmm. and keeps throwing you for a loop uh, with kind of every cut. And like a lot of times you'll just cut to the TV and you'll not be sure like if this is continuous or if this is a new scene, uh, but you know, you'll cut to someone on the couch watching uh, Mac tonight advertisement or something like that. <laughs> and there's a lot of great like cultural ephemera from that period, such as the Mac tonight stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of uh, the very schizophrenic style that uh, Packard's films are strung together is because he's like working as like such a low budget, like independent filmmaker. Yeah. Like um, at the premiere, like talking about it, he said that a lot of it like was the locations were like stolen um like he was just shooting like whenever weekends he like could like with whoever he could get like on board and just so like stringing together like a plot and things like whenever necessary and you definitely like feel like it's a lot of pieces thrown together and it's really like the locations being stolen for one thing but even the the sets that they have like the house you know he doesn't really give you any chance to breathe uh, in like Mm -hmm. these big spaces, you know, like these other kind of thrillers from this era by people like De Palma, you know, would show Mm -hmm. off these, you know, fancy Hollywood Hills houses. But this is all kind of in these medium close-ups of like a guy in bed or a guy in on the couch or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's all these like lights that are changing colors and moving all over the frame and uh, really expressive lighting throughout the whole thing that just gives this, film this like otherworldly feeling that is kind of it makes it hard to get a grasp on what's going on but i think once you kind of let go of that it's okay because the last 20 minutes is a lot more i guess obvious i yeah. guess uh it, like it comes together more yeah yeah if there's one through line you know i feel it's like the illuminati and the elites controlling media and using <laughs> media as a form of like messaging yeah something yeah. that's discussed about a lot and like the way they like mess with that too is like like uh, how they claim like sampling or whatever. It's like everything's oh, yeah. going to be sampled, you know. And like we're just going to recycle trash and give it to them, you know. And they they won't do anything <laughs> about it. It's like a lot of like the elite, um, you know, pontificating on what the, what move they'll make next to yeah. control the you know. It's funny how you know as low like low budget of the movie this is like our main character is supposed to be the guy that pulls the strings for the entire world. Oh yeah, <laughs> I wrote uh, there are so many quotes I have in my notebook uh, of just like great shit that they're saying at like the elite parties, mm-hmm. like get her some coffee, some cocaine, anything left over from the eighties. <laughs> Ice baby frequency has turned the masses into morons. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the vanilla ice as a psyop, and this is great. It also joins the vanilla ice canon of extended clip with that's my boy yeah yeah Yeah. uh there's a lot of great stuff when they were talking about sampling and this will become more popular and you know they say stuff like that like everything it will be a reproduction Mm -hmm. and hell no it's called sampling recycling the past into the present you're going to be hearing a lot more of it soon (laughs) knock it off dick you know it is something that's like just kind of it's simple to go back in history and, uh, you know, place things that are wrong with today Mm -hmm. as, you know, a product of the past. But I think he does it in a way that like has this weird conspiracy ish Mm -hmm. edge that is mixed with 
stuff that just feels really real and also just like reflections of TV and movies yeah. of the time that I don't know. It's just a really interesting kind of cocktail of different things that he's going for in this film that I think makes it more interesting the messier it gets. No, totally. And it's like something, you know, this it, a movie rang in my mind while watching this under the Silver Lake is kind of like the mm-hmm. polished prestige version of Untitled Yuppie Fear Project. Yeah. Or, probably it's probably not you know fatal pulse but yeah. it's just um because like the use of reference in this movie is like i i enjoy it pretty much thoroughly and yeah it's, it's something that like on paper might like seem annoying to me you know i'm not you like and i feel like under the silver light kind of does it in a more like pretentious way with it's like referencing of like famous la films you know that like i love but still it's just yeah. like the way he does it whereas this is just like you yeah you just have 20 minutes of william friedkin talking about uh, <laughs> a minor movie of, of his yeah. not you know opening in a westwood ucla theater or something. <laughs> these kids don't know who peter Bogdanovich yeah. is and and the the i guess the nostalgia is for like um kind of like these like uh these yuppie fear movies too, yeah. which is not, you know, not something, you know, there's not a film classes being taught about, uh, you know, uh, erotic thrillers in the nineties, but that's, I mean, that's something I've always enjoyed like that type of, uh, that type of movie. They have a specific type of mood that I've always enjoyed. Yeah, no, it's a great send up to the genre in being something like very, like, I feel like the, like larger, like messaging and like larger stuff I like about it isn't related to like the aspect that it like really captures the mood of those yuppie fear thrillers really well. Yeah, and I think like uh, in terms of what the film is, not just trying to replicate, but like what it is nostalgic for, I think why I thought of Brian De Palma is similar to why Friedkin is there. And it's these, you know, the last of the Mavericks, if you will, these like big new Hollywood guys who have basically had by now a decade of just like restraint from studios and just getting fucked over. And you, you know, you could throw Scorsese's very struggling eighties period in there as well. Uh, and now they're just like, you know, just doing their damn best as directors in these studio assigned projects. Like, you know, at this point, De Palma was doing like bonfire or the vanities and shit <laughs> like that movie sucks, but it's fucking directed by De Palma, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, th- there's a lot of push and pull in what he, what Packard seems nostalgic for. And I think that's a really good thing because when it's just pure uncut nostalgia, that shit's boring. No. Yeah. He definitely has like a critical eye on like all of what he's referencing in like a positive manner as well. Cause like, it's like, I'm, I'm pretty certain uh, Packard is a big fan of the exorcist. Yeah. But like his send up of Friedkin is like one that's like not, it's like not glowing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, There's also an intermission in this film, uh, very brief, <laughs> which is uh, hilarious. Yeah, it rules. So funny. That's such a good gag. <laughs> I forgot even what they were talking about. They talking about like firing a woman or something. It was funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a, a Packard, clean it up. Yeah. No, none of those bad bad oh, things. I gonna... mean, there's one yeah, yeah. like scene, I think it might be during the intermission where he's just beating that woman. Yeah. Oh, oh that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's during. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's definitely just like. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, exactly. No, yeah. Like it's the si- it is similar with Lynch, though. That's something yeah. you see. That's the basically the biggest critique you'll see of David yeah. Lynch online yeah. uh, is that scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like senseless, seemingly senseless violence against women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, played for whatever effect it uh, its audience interprets it as. Yeah, I mean, I feel like with Packard's work, it's like mirroring like media obsession. Yeah, exactly. With it. 
I mean, the yeah. main character kind of seeing himself, his exact life events reflected in a trailer for one of these yuppie fear thrillers <laughs> is kind of the perfect like thesis for this yeah. movie. Yeah, it's yeah. like this guy's life is totally fucking trash, and yet he's seeing it replicated in the trailers of these movies that show like late night commercial spots. Yeah, it's, there's something so great about that, how it speaks to the aspirational qualities of those movies where it's like they work in nice, sleek offices and stuff like that. It's just it's so perfect. It's a great it's a great critique. So as it wraps up, um, I guess time is frozen. Someone says that time is frozen, at least. And like he becomes this weird. What does he become like? a Not like uh, a, he's like a puppet. Yeah. yeah. For puppet a while. Guy, yeah. Yeah. And then there's like clones of him as well, like multiple versions they, of him. It's like and, there it there seems to be some sort of rip in some timeline thing yeah. and there are multiple versions of himself but there's also a i mean the the race uh a riot yeah. for new jack city the That's movie great. is yeah. phenomenal and i feel like that really ties like so much of like politically what i think is really like i mean i don't know because of how schizophrenic this is and like how crazy like packard himself is but um, politically, this reminds me a lot of like Mark Fisher's like sort of capitalist uh, capitalist realism, mm-hmm. talking about not being able to envision like a future beyond uh, capitalism. Easier to envision like the end of the world. Yeah, and um, also relating that into like culture, like just turning in on itself because of that, not being able to think of like a future after like sort of the neoliberal order really takes hold and like it's it really cements itself in like the 80s and 90s with like reagan and like clinton and i feel like that i mean packard does it in a fairly obvious way where it's like there are points like lines like recycling the past into Mm -hmm. the present you're going to be hearing a lot more of it soon i think for some of these things he's even he even has the text of it like on screen there's some great doubling like subtitled dialogue that doesn't need to be subtitled just to emphasize it yeah Yeah, i mean yeah literally the text on the screen yeah and i think there's even a line where it's it's so literal it's like like the the world will end in nineteen or culture will end in nineteen ninety one or something yeah, like that. Yeah. The only thing that will progress is the uh internet and smartphones. Yeah. Uh, there's also a great quote, uh nothing to fear but no fear itself. Yeah, the no fear segment. Of yeah. The, so like, no fear was also a psyop according to this movie, <laughs> which I'm willing to believe. <laughs> That's again Packard bringing back one of my favorite things that we need in the cinema, the extreme sports culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I think tying that into uh New Jack City and like the climax of the movie, it feels like definitely like building up to like the crisis of neoliberalism and sort of like late capitalism because like these um Trent, the main executive, and then one of the other executives are, like, chased by, like, crazy sort of zombie-fied homeless people, and that sort of, like, precedes um, the New Jack City riots, and I feel like seems to be implying, like, I don't know, the the impending nature of, like, a crisis of capitalism. I think that's a good note to end on as we wrap up mm-hmm. the film because it ends on this revolutionary note, if you will, but it's kind of like a depressing, like bleak, yeah. also <laughs> micro-budget version of what you can pull off in LA. Uh, it's a great foot chase where yeah, the main guy yeah. gets chased through the streets of this riot going on. Um, really well cut together. Like the most, I guess on a traditionally formal level, uh, the best thing in the movie 
but then obviously you know the weirdness is where it really strives so mm-hmm. um i'm gonna say this one's a this one's a four bullet flick for me uh i really loved this one and uh thank you for picking it out jt <laughs> yeah thank you jt i mean i'm definitely gonna check out reflections of evil yeah after that this. one sounds awesome yeah, yeah yeah um been on my mind you know been on the watch list for a while but uh i'm gonna give this one four bullets as well i mean there's just so much stuff in here to enjoy I mean, one thing we didn't even say is like the blood spatter splatter video game effect. On oh screen. yeah, just he'll do stuff. It's it's like it's very overbearing, but there's just a lot of small stuff too to enjoy, like with the editing and really goes all out. So I got I got to give it to him. Like just thinking about this movie, just it's so dense. So it's like respect to Packard, big salute. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give this uh, four and a half bullets. Um, definitely like real up there uh, for me. Um, I don't know. I feel like I've touched on a bunch of things I like about the movie already, but like what you were saying, Malcolm, there's just so much going on. Like the, uh, just rapid pace, like the insane amount of just like weird references stuff. I, there's so much to just enjoy, uh, for um, multiple reasons. And I'm going to shout out Packard on Twitter. He's at space disco too. I don't think he's tweeted since like 2018 since like this came out, but I saw one of the things that he had like in his not to to pull out the Packard receipts, um, but one of the things he had liked um, was Donald Trump tweeting the gif of like uh, the multiple like Trump, like Trump 2020 and then oh, 2024 yeah, yeah. just <laughs> looping. Uh. But yeah, check uh. him out on Twitter. Check Trump out on Twitter. Too. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dude, he's been killing it. Yeah. Honestly, he's been killing it. Oh God, I can't wait till fucking uh, after Bernie wins the primaries and I unfollow everyone on Twitter except for <laughs> Donald Trump, <laughs> <laughs> and I just am breathless election coverage. Uh, we'll be right back on extended clip to talk about Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie. Looking forward to going to another one of these Sade sound checks, let me tell you. You're gonna have to stop being a baby, you know what I mean? Oh my goodness. You need to suck it up. Welcome back to Extended Clip. Uh, before we get to the billion dollar movie, any other recent viewing you guys want to talk about? Any any standout flicks you catch at theaters? Or oh. at home? <laughs> <laughs> I saw 1917 in theaters to speak of theatrical outings and yeah, it's like, it's not good. You don't need to see it. Of course. um, Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I knew this. I knew this before seeing it. (laughs) I already figured this movie out. Um, I watched so much, like I watched out of sight for the first time, new Rose hotel. Like, like I'm not going to talk about it, but I was just like, these are fucking amazing movies. Like I love these movies. Um, both, both classics, both classics. Um, I could see out of sight being in heavy rewatch territory. Definitely like something just to put on. Um, but the canyons really stuck out to me. And uh, I mean, you were talking about De Palma earlier and Friedkin, how they kind of had to work at like odds with studios. Well, like Paul Schrader was someone who had to slum it harder than those guys. Oh, really. yeah. Like and like um, like <laughs> like First Reformed was what really just pulled him out of the mud recently and made him like people talk about him again, like prominently. But um, the canyons, which I, yeah, I think there's definitely some people who were smart enough to like canyons at the time um is amazing it's it's paul schrader um it's Lindsay lohan it's james dean um problematic figure james dean uh, james james dean the porn star not not james dean from uh <laughs> i was gonna say gone with the wind 
It's not James Dean from Gone with the Wind. Um, and it's not James Dean from On Cinema <laughs> Oscar special. <laughs> but yeah, just this great like uh, L.A. movie about like uh, how cell phones have ruined our privacy and uh, just kind of like about the debauchery of Hollywood and the sexual mischievousness that goes on. And uh, Lohan's great against all the, like these porn, st- not not all porn star actors, but she's like like the standout actor amongst all of them. And you really get like an amazing Lohan performance. Like this is probably my favorite Lohan performance. Cause there's like scenes where she's just, um, going one-on-one with a, like an actor and just like bodying them like a game yeah. of like one-on-one. And it's not that the other actor's bad. It's just like, she's so powerful. And like, yeah, like, um, crazy sex scene where like Lindsay Lohan, it's like a foursome and Lindsay Lohan shifts the tide of it. The guys kind of making the girls make out to like, the guys forcing the guys to make out and yeah. her her uh partner is definitely not not okay with it and is like goes into a crisis because it felt because really real yeah. too like james dean maybe has been in that scenario totally, in yeah. real life before exactly and um it was great watching this after film socialism because they both have a uh, heavy relationship with cell phones and cell phone cameras and stuff like that and nice. just uh you get a great shot of <laughs> a great cell phone shot of James Dean pulling his dick out and yeah. <laughs> rubbing it hard. Um, um, this movie also opens like it reminds me of the other side of the wind where it like it literally just opens with shots of abandoned movie theaters yeah. across Los Angeles. You do have that Schrader bitterness within it. And Schrader's uh, obsession with sex is something that's always fascinated me. Just kind of like Cronenberg where. Oh, yeah. Where we, I we need to talk about autofocus, yeah, sometime. which yeah. I haven't seen yet. And I think is a key text because I've seen hardcore. I've seen, um, and there's probably others too that yeah. I'm, I'm missing. I can't think about right now, but um, I don't know. This it's a little bit more pro sex than like maybe something like hardcore is or something like that. Mm-hmm. Even though it kind of I don't know maybe you know depicts the scary parts of it sometimes. Um, but yeah, just uh, it's a great movie, and it's I love I love seeing Schrader in like like something like First Reform and Canyons. Th- those are obviously very different movies. So it's yeah. like it's cool to see him kill it in two different ways and i've never read any of his writing but uh Same. apparently no, no no i'm saying of oh. uh the source material of the canyons is yeah. brett easton Ellis. oh yeah uh, and i've never read him but he, you know there's been quite a few movies made out of sure. him and that is the best one i've seen yeah for sure yeah uh, i have read paul schrader uh his book about transcendental style that's yeah. on like dryer ozu and uh brisson i good I, I skipped the drier section because I'd only seen uh, Passion of Joan of Arc and Vampire at the time, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's more about his late style. Yeah. Uh, but I really loved uh, the chapter on Ozu and, of course, Brisson, who is like the strongest link to him for me, mm-hmm. or at least like for what I get out of Schrader. Yeah. I feel like the Brisson link is the best one. Yeah, and you get a, a Brisson James Dean performance. Oh yeah, which is amazing. And there's only like one. There's only like one scene where he asks him to do too much and it's very imme- obvious, but I, you know, it's, I mean, it's fun. Love the canyons. Yeah. You can't expect James Dean to do any kind of like, yeah. you can't also expect, you know, it's a Lindsay Lohan movie with a male porn star. You can't like completely yeah. subvert the scenes that have to be there emotionally. Yeah. Unfortunately, like he's not on a Brisson level where he's making the film he wants to. Exactly. That's yeah. completely disaffected, you know, 300 uh, K budget, very low budget. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was, was it crowdfunded? Uh, I, I forgot about maybe that. I'm yeah. con- thinking of another one but uh there is a really good like on set uh and like through the process of the filmmaking article about it oh. uh and I think it's by Richard Brody 
but I could be wrong. Yeah, I know Brody likes this movie. I could be wrong, so. but I think Brody wrote about it as it was being made. Nice. Wait, hold on. This all I, veto. This all stays in. Yeah, people, people got to hear this stuff. Okay, so yeah. I was proven wrong. Whatever. Uh, there's a New York Times Magazine article about the making of it that I'm thinking of that is very in depth. And then Richard Brody for the New Yorker does have a very nice review uh, and a great quote from it. When I first saw the Canyons, I had never heard of Lohan's co-star James Dean. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. What a <laughs> likely fucking yeah. story, well, yeah. Brody. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's funny. I realized while watching this too, 2013 was probably my masturbation heyday. That's probably when I was watching. <laughs> it off the most and I, like i do recognize a good amount of porn stars from this movie which was kind of funny i was like that motherfucker ah. <laughs> which is like if you think of schrader right and like how he hornily posts on facebook about like yeah, taylor, taylor swift, swift i'm sure he had seen some of those porn stars before too <laughs> oh i'm sure yeah, he yeah. wasn't just like drawing names out of a hat for who gets to be in his movie oh yeah a very personal film <laughs> what about you jt um well i saw plenty of good stuff this week but i don't want to talk about those movies i uh, watched a movie that's a gentleman's two and a half Ooh. uh wall street i'm very obsessed with like this notion of like an enjoyable two like two and a half stars not bad that's a that's an all right kind of a movie and that's exactly what i was anticipating going into wall street like i was like okay the performances in this will probably do the heavy lifting um, and then I'll be relatively disinterested in most of it. And that was the case. I mean, Charlie Sheen is the weakest of the bunch and is the lead, but Michael Douglas kills it. Terrence Stamp did not know that he was in uh, the movie, but he's great as well. Um, Martin Sheen uh, is... Wait. Yeah, no. Not, Charlie Sheen. No, his his dad is in it too. Oh, Martin Sheen. Yeah, Martin Sheen is is in it as well, which was like a weird bit of uh, casting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Isn't that what it's popular for? Isn't aren't they the two? They're not the two leads, right? Charlie no. Sheen. Charlie Sheen is the lead of the sequel. Is that right? No. Money never sleeps. Isn't Shia LaBeouf the? Shia LaBeouf's Shia the LaBeouf? lead of the sequel. Damn, it's that's Sheen, crazy. Charlie Sheen yeah. is the lead, and his dad yeah. plays his dad as like oh, a union okay, representative okay. who gets betrayed. Um, yeah, the performances were the most fun part of it, and it ends like on too happy of a note for something like condemning Wall Street. Like it wraps up like very neatly. I'm like sort of interested in Oliver Stone a little bit. Like I definitely mm -hmm. want to make my way around to JFK at some point. Um, but I don't know. He does pretty like simple like American liberalism kind yeah. of bullshit. Yeah. I've actually never seen an Oliver Stone picture, what? and I'm very interested because uh, I know yeah. I wouldn't like them, but I feel like mm -hmm. I have to. All right. you know, I I kind of like Oliver Stone, and like he reminds me of Spike Lee in a lot of the ways because like Spike Lee is can be guilty of a lot of that liberalism yeah. stuff too from time to time, and like Oliver Stone misses a lot more for me than like Spike Lee does. But there's he has a certain quality to his films in like the formal aspect of them where it's like. Even if it doesn't work, I wouldn't want to change it. Like, it's very... I, I, I like Stone yeah. being Stone. No, the ones that I'm interested yeah. of his work are, like, he, in each, I think he's doing, like, interesting formal mm -hmm. experiments that I'm, like, somewhat... That's why I feel like he's, like, a he's a good two-and-a-half-star champion. Totally. I think he has a lot of two-and-a-halfers in him. He, sure. like, he, he, like, he's trying really hard. He, he has it in, in him. We love to see this energy, yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't quite hit the mark. And But I like the um, the scale and scope of what he's trying to do a lot mm -hmm. of the time. 
Yeah, even something like Snowden, where it's like definitely a, a gentleman's two and a half, too. But I was just like, you know, even if it doesn't, like, it doesn't really expand on this way. It's just like, I guess it's kind of cool to have a movie where it's like Snowden did the right thing. You know what I mean? I don't know. Parasite, another liberal Par- two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you liked if you like Parasite, check out uh, Snowden from 2015. Joseph Gordon-Levitt hasn't done anything lately, so if you're really thirsting for JGL, I was just trying to think of another <laughs> film that I gave the gentleman's two and a half to offhandedly. Parasite, Parasite, yeah. I actually gave a three at first. Yeah. I eventually bumped it down to two and a half. Yeah, whatever. I think I give gentlemen's threes too sometimes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Like if I have to, you know, look, I, I, you know, I liked thirty minutes of the movie and I was okay with the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Eh, you know. Yeah, rebound, gentleman's three. Watch that. Rewatch that last night. <laughs> A lot of sports movies get yeah. the gentleman's three for me. That should be two and a half. <laughs> yeah, 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 like yeah. Major League, not that good of a movie, really, when you yeah. think about it. But uh, you know, it's got those spring pr- training sequences yeah. up front. You know, it's got the big game at the end. Eh, it's all you need. Yeah, exactly. It works. <laughs> uh, you know what else works? The cinema of Rob Zombie. Uh, I watched The Lords of Salem today. Only my second feature from Zombie. I've also watched like his music videos, and I find them really interesting. And uh, I haven't really listened to much of his music, though, other than, like, the videos I've watched. But I think he's a really interesting figure for, like, his very specific uh, brand of, like, cultural uh, nostalgia and... But, like, more, you know, critical, I guess, in terms of, like, picking favorites and, like, having distinct taste uh, of what he's drawing from and also having, like, a good historic sense of what cinema is. You could just say that's pretty basic to just have... A character have a frame from a trip to the moon as like their headboard yeah uh, but i think he's actually really trying to make an effort to like stamp his films with the history of film and this lords of salem is a film about history you know about you know the salem witch trials and everything that that being like the foundation for the horror of this uh which really you know anyone watching the film will then tell you oh it's actually just about addiction uh, and it doesn't like make it that obvious. Like the the character, you know, is asked if she's back to doing drugs, and then one time you see her buy some crack or heroin. I don't know, but she's hitting something out of a crack pipe at one point. Uh, but you make the larger metaphor. You make the assumption that the whole thing's about addiction, and uh, it is really great in that regard because it kind of like you kind of just zone out of it for certain parts of it and then the horror of it creeps up on you and really fucking tenses you up. Uh, And formally, Rob Zombie is just like extremely accomplished and lets you know the whole time. Like he's very audacious uh, in terms of his cutting and his framing and the way he uses uh, the cinemascope frame here and particularly uh, the colors of like neon lighting at night. And uh, also the main character works on the kind of like a a morning zoo radio show that happens at night, but it's really funny, you know, just seeing her hang out with her buds, uh, doing some sound drops, doing some character work, uh, some very, some real Opie and Anthony style uh, characterizations being done, (laughs) some accent work maybe where it shouldn't, but uh, you know, it's all in good fun. It's, uh, It's talk radio. So for that, I will give it my recommendation <laughs> yeah <laughs> and r.i.p don don imus extended clip is an imus blows show true sure. yeah. yeah pro stern pro hillary yeah oh no <laughs> speaking of pro Hillary, i guess we do have to talk about this uh 
uh, we talk about shooting our idols, so killing our idols sometimes. I'm not threatening <laughs> violence. <laughs> shoot <laughs> Hillary Clinton. <laughs> sometimes not. you have to shoot your idols with a, a 44 Magnum. <laughs> I've heard that quote. <laughs> this is not any sort of endorsement or threat of violence against uh, either party. But uh, a famous vulgar auteurist, uh, Bilge Ibiri, interviewed Hillary Clinton <laughs> for her new show. And God, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah, that's, that's a place where you, you walk into that interview and that's when you denotate the vest. That's when you... Because <laughs> that's, that's just obnoxious piece of article just existing in the world. It doesn't need to be there. He, <laughs> yeah, we he also name searched Bilge Clinton and found my tweet that said Bilge Clinton and uh, responded to someone uh, in the replies. And I was just like, get the fuck out of here, dude. Fucking chew. <laughs> With that being said, Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie. 2012 directed by the combination of tim heidecker and eric wareheim now um these two fellows were uh pretty formative i'm gonna say for all three of us is yeah that, is that correct to say uh we all had our own journeys through the work of tim and eric we all you know we see the awesome show uh dvd rips on my hard drive you know we see the tom goes to the mayor dvd on my shelf uh, we know yeah. that I'm a real head, yeah. <laughs> and he's got he's got the files and the the DVDs to prove it. <laughs> uh, but this one I didn't love when I first saw. Same, it. yeah. I I was much more into at the time. Check it out. I think was in season two. Uh, in 2012, mm-hmm. maybe it was between seasons one and two, but I was really into Check It Out with Dr. Steve Rule, mm-hmm. one of the best performances ever there by John C. Riley. Uh, and Awesome Show, just going through, you know, my my very compressed torrent of it. I think it was the whole series was like less than a gigabyte. <laughs> it was like the shittiest quality <laughs> yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, and I like thought that it didn't really work as like a narrative thing. I mean, I wasn't thinking critically about film back then. Yeah. But I didn't really like it, and I liked yeah. the short ones better. And now I like it a lot. I think yeah. it's actually something of a masterpiece. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think what made me so adverse to it at the time because Awesome Show definitely is gross and like thrives off of gross out humor, but like it, it I think they take it to you know more levels in awesome or not awesome movie billion dollar movie. And like, yeah, it was just at the time I was just like, oh, this is like to the point where it's like, this is kind of, uh, this is like abrasive and kind of yeah. n- not as like, you know, gag funny as awesome show. But I think that's what I like about it now. Yeah. I mean the, I mean the climax of the movie is like an action set piece, but the real climax of the movie is a cross cutting sequence between, um, Tim. No, 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 no. Sorry. Uh, Eric having sex. No, it's no, no. It's, Tim having sex Tim with, with Eric's, Eric's date, girl. Yeah. With Eric's girl. Uh, <laughs> Tim is having sex with Eric's girl, and uh, Eric is in a tub getting filled up with shit by little boys. <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 Ray Wise uh, of uh, was, Twin Peaks fame. <laughs> I was curious. I was gonna call you out on this scene because I was curious. I know uh, avowed a hater of the funny sex scene oh yeah no this one's funny oh yeah, yeah this yeah. yeah this one fucking rules and no, especially the, the cross cutting yeah with the shitting yeah. it's like it's so perfect it's like the godfather the fucking <laughs> baptism and the shit like it's the same it's just as good if not better uh just pushing everything like gross right in your face uh everything that this movie represents it's hatred of this like empty mall of america that we live in you know this fucking mm-hmm dead end late capitalist hellhole uh that is the abandoned mall you know mm-hmm. um it's beautiful and it's disgusting 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, like some of the stores there, like uh, the used toilet paper stores. Like I was just, I was rolling at that, the idea of that. You just see him. <laughs> That's one of the funniest jokes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that shit? This is shit smell. Is that you? It smells like popo. Yeah, my, my father taught me this profession years ago. And now I'm teaching it to my son. Good. Or that uh, Will Forte's sword store where he's paid not to sell swords because uh, they don't want him on the street. <laughs> oh, Will Forte is fucking amazing yeah, in yeah. this. He's great in this. Um, he, he's he been like a salesman for Tim and Eric like multiple mm-hmm. times because he was like a mattress salesman in Awesome Show once, oh, I yeah. believe. Yeah, he's been he's in Awesome Show a few times. I yeah. think he like pisses his pants like talking to kids one time. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, that's fucking great. Yeah. Uh, so, if you don't know Tim and Eric, the project as a whole, you know, uh, Tim and Eric Awesome Show is, you know, a absurdist sketch comedy show that really revels in like the uh, overwhelming amount of images and media that we see, and like just the overstimulation of life, kind of in the same way that Night Pulse is. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of fake TV advertisements. There's a lot of like, you know, really loud music accompanied to, I guess you could say really loud editing. Uh, (laughs) And just like, it's very abrasive and disgusting. And then this stretches it. There are sketches within the film, but it's more of a narrative framework. And instead of lasting anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes, uh, there are fleshed out scenes and yeah. like the sketches within it last like five minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why I didn't like it at first. It didn't feel as immediate, but I think having to sit with all this is a big key to what the film is about. And like just it being a reflection of what we live in now, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, um, like the sketches too, like there's a really overarching theme within this movie where you don't really get that with awesome show where like even the sketches are informing, it's kind of like late capitalism critique where like um, the boss sketch, the boss and the employee when he gets mm-hmm. fired oh, amazing. and his uh, severance package is a, a nice big hug. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's You could uh, connect the dots here, you know, the, some neoliberalism, you know, all those words. <laughs> I mean, it feels like the extension of like they because they're doing that an awesome show. Yeah. Um, but True, like yeah. more of a continuation of like their fixation on like male friendship <laughs> and like the, uh, like weird male relationships mm-hmm. um same thing with like the, the capitalism um and just like also like it being wrapped up in like the movie making process in and of itself like because the first like um little set piece is the fake billion yeah. dollar movie which is so good uh, <laughs> also before that we get an instructional manual Uh, or an instructional video on how to sit in the chair that you watch the movie in, uh, which is so good. Like the Schlang Corporation's uh, super seat, which is now real and at every AMC (laughs) or whatever, or Pacific also has them. Um, You know, it's so funny how those recliner seats weren't, you know, in multiplexes in 2012. And now it's just like everything except for burning yourself on hot butter is now in most multiplexes. Uh, but then we see also the calibration of the seat is amazing where it's just like, (laughs) just like a terrible video game from 2003, like seat calibration for the screen. Uh, but then we see the movie that Tim and Eric wasted a billion dollars on. And it's just like two minutes of Johnny Depp, uh, walking a, a set reconstruction in Hollywood of a Parisian street. 
and uh, gives a girl a giant, probably eight hundred million dollar <laughs> diamond. <laughs> Not even a, the real Johnny Depp. Yeah, a Johnny yeah. Depp impersonator, which is too. also a good tie-in to the David Packard film with the celebrity impersonators. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's Tim and, Tim and Eric's influence is felt across comedy, but I feel like hiring celebrity impersonators is something. I, I mean, they probably weren't didn't do it completely first, but like I see that in like every Adult Swim style like show now. Yeah, exactly. Know? Even like Nathan for you, yeah, Nathan for you, yeah. that, and Nathan for you is great and uses yeah. that to great effect. Like obviously, yeah. Nathan's mm-hmm. not just going to steal no, jokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, Tim and Eric, I believe, are EPs on Nathan for you. Isn't yeah. it an absolutely show? Yeah, yeah it is. absolutely. Anyway, uh, not to just talk about how great their careers are going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so the the structure of the film basically is that they waste all the money uh, and they now owe that money to the producers mm-hmm. and they have to fire their lifestyle guru, uh, their co- their life coach, uh, Zach Galifianakis, who's really great in this. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they see an advertisement of a mall ran by Will Ferrell uh, asking you to run the mall for a billion dollars. <laughs> and so that's what they got to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's after the sequence of their like bender where they're just like they're yeah. still uh, like I love at the beginning of the film. They're like big like L.A. sellout guys <laughs> with the fake tans. Um, the and- veneers are just disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And then just like. The scene of Eric getting his uh, dick pierced oh my is God. so fucking yeah. funny. That shocked me as a, like a thirteen year old. I was yeah. like, <gasps> yeah. and also soundtracked to a classic like Tim and Eric DJ Doug Pound collabo of just like sampling their stupid dialogue into just like a really <laughs> dumb club beat and making one of the funniest things you can. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, the editing is great. It's like oh, yeah. so many of the classic Tim and Eric collaborators are in this from DJ Doug Pound editing and helping with the sound effects and the music in this to, you know, you get David Liebehart, uh, whose character was apparently cut out of the film in the end credits, having a party with the the end credits, by the way, the same as Inland Empire. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if uh, <laughs> viewers made that connection, but very similar endings to in- Inland Empire. But you see David Liebehart and like all these guys who are just kind of the weirdos that tim and eric uh, cast and everything just partying it up at the end and it's really just a joyous celebration of their work in addition to this like kind of scathing critique of a work yeah i feel like oftentimes like the relationship that tim and eric have to like the weirdos that they bring on board is like oftentimes i feel like the most highly criticized part about mm-hmm. like their mm-hmm. show and what they're doing but i mean in seeing their portrayal in like billion dollar movie especially that like joyous like revelry mm-hmm. at the end i feel like there's a great appreciation that tim and eric have for these people that yeah. they like bring them mm-hmm. into the fold and like obviously like they're kind of the butt of the joke but like so are tim and eric like for a lot of the time like mm-hmm. their bodies like they're equally yeah. as willing to like make themselves like part of what's like gross or like strange mm-hmm. about it and I think like how they wrap in these like weird personalities into it like is re- reflects that as well. Yeah, and it's just like um, how they do that is just like it creates like a whole different type of scenario that you see in movies where it's like you know you have unprofessional actors, but they intentionally kind of go for ones that are not that have like strange qualities to them, or you know like 
look kind of weird or something like that. And like, um, I mean, it just creates like a, like a. It's like a quality you can't replicate yeah, in those scenes. That reminds me, I I wanted to talk about this scene so badly because I remembered it, and it's such a minor moment, but it's um, and it's another David Lynch connection because one of the Schlang guys, um, is in uh, um. Lost Highway. Oh, really? Yeah. He, yeah he's, he's, is he the guy that beats him up on the highway? Or yeah, something? yeah. That oh, scene's shit. always <laughs> stuck out to me, and I, I, real, I realized I'd seen him somewhere else. He's so... Oh, my God. And also Ray Wise is a... a yeah, of course. Guy. Ray Wise as the uh, the shrim god. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a cult leader of sorts who uh, has little boys shit on people. And he is great and very menacing and very hilarious. Yeah, it's great. But to get back to the quality of the Tim and Eric scenes that I feel like you can't replicate, mm-hmm. you have this actor who's the head of Schlang, who's like been in like crazy like Lynch works and like is clearly like an established talent mm-hmm. and he's like intimidating these old women that are like Tim and Eric's moms <laughs> and they deliver like such a weird <laughs> stilted performance yeah. that it's like I don't think like they could have directed this from them. Yeah. It's just like, is this how these women are? And it's just so fucking funny. Yeah, and you get to see extreme things happen to them, you know, yeah. get maimed and like cut <laughs> and stuff like that. It's so over the top. And just barely great. react to yeah. it. I mean, it reminds me of that scene from Lost Highway when he beats that guy up. Like there's a, the huge menacing quality of it, but it's just played for straight straight humor straight laughs uh one of the things that you brought up earlier uh in terms of the critique of the movie like um or the critique that the movie presents uh mm-hmm. in that scene where it's like conflict resolution and the guy yeah. gets fired uh there are these really lovely detours from the movie where it'll just cut to like a blue graphic that says understanding your movie you know <laughs> theme number one of three uh and it's so good just yeah. like the dumbest thing as like a deconstruction of itself yeah calling attention to how stupid it is to deconstruct it maybe like yeah uh, oh yeah you know you want to learn how to understand a movie well this is where you watch how <laughs> you know uh the theme of conflict resolution Resolution just being the, the guy getting fired or whatever like mm-hmm. i don't know i i love those little all the little detours that it makes into kind of sketch comedy territory are great yeah um particularly i guess the ending where it's like a fake action movie like the the aspect ratio lowers yeah. uh into scope uh to 2.4 or whatever and the uh the schlang guys just come and fucking shoot everyone up and like <laughs> They use the little boy that they stole from the toilet paper store as a shield. (laughs) Just throwing a little boy into flying bullets. Like, it's just disgusting and hilarious. Yeah, I mean, Tim steals this boy from his father at the beginning of this movie. I mean, it's just, yeah, the scathing critique of how capitalism will take (laughs) everything from you, even your son. No, but it's it's so fucking funny. No, it is. He's like, I'm going to take your son now. Total alpha move. Yeah. Like total. That's, yeah. That, like the POA shit is for, you know, it's for the boys. It's like, you got to father some kids. <laughs> Someone else's kids. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, the, I'm, not <laughs> I'm not his father. I'm the man who stepped up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of weird, like, fa- I mean, like most other Tim yeah. and Eric stuff, a lot of weird dad stuff. There's uh, a <laughs> Taquito and uh, oh Will God, Ferrell's yeah. character. Taquito uh, played by John C. Riley, oh, of course. Yeah. Phenomenal performance. In a career performance. Movie. Yeah. 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 I, I love him here. Uh, his goodbye is so emotional. Like, <laughs> I can't believe I got... So, 
I remember, as I said, I didn't like this the first time I watched it. And then I watched it again maybe three months ago and mm-hmm. loved it. And then again for the pod. In uh, both recent times, I found myself thinking, oh, I can't actually like feel emotions about <laughs> John C. Riley in this movie. And then when he bites the dust, it's like, fuck, man. Yeah. You know, like, I love Taquito. <laughs> he was the only, only morally righteous person in yeah. that movie. He was our moral compass, and he's gone. Taquito! Just die, Taquito! Come on! Any minute now. Maybe I won't be sick in heaven. And I do love Will Ferrell in this, too. I yeah. feel like sometimes when he's uh, slumming it, as it were, with more mm-hmm. like independent comedy or low-budget yeah. comedy stuff, he feels like he really is just like lending his presence, you know? Yeah. But he is very funny here. Uh, the mm-hmm. Top Gun from the top bit is great. Yeah. I'd love to just trap someone in my room and watch a Tony <laughs> Scott movie with them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Will Ferrell, he's good there. And I get what you mean about how sometimes when he's slumming it too but it's like this and like ashley schlafer in eastbound you know two all-time yeah. oh Will yeah slumming it performances and, for sure but this yeah it's kind of the inverse of the schaefer where it's he's a more pathetic i mean he's he's pathetic but never mind we don't need to get into that but, but. one last thing so like relating it back to that kind of like the corporate culture that yeah. they're really satirizing is something that uh tim says uh to the used toilet paper salesman who was not who is now like the janitor uh, when he has him sacrifice himself, like he knows there's just five guys with machine guns outside and he just wants to send one person out as bait. So he sends this guy out and the thing he says before he sends him out is, you'd be hitting it out the park for us if you did this. <laughs> <laughs> and I swear to God, if I haven't heard bullshit like that yeah. from bosses my whole life, just like taking out trash and fucking yeah, yeah. doing personal errands for bosses, just like, you'd really just be fucking hitting it out the park sure. for me if you did this. <laughs> I mean, all the fucking dope PR stuff I mean like why it works even like it's so stupid but that it just points out the absurdity of just mm. how fucking stupid corporate culture like that yeah. is yeah I mean, yeah and it's like the business of doing business like that's what their business is <laughs> yeah and that itself is just like all you really need to know for like what this film is going after and if you've had those kind of jobs before where there's like a quote-unquote corporate culture uh you know the fucking torture of that Mm -hmm. but you know that it's like there's no way out of that because Mm -hmm. small business jobs also just like rip you off in different ways and so it's just like oh yeah it's like all these people who work at the mall their life fucking sucks yeah (laughs) i mean the while they're giving their presentation to all the mall store owners and the homeless people who live there, they're they're even muttering under their breath. It's like we're gonna make a killing off of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so blatant and like yeah, the dopest you know d- their business is doing business. I mean, just speaks to the you know overlapping meta narratives that just you know surge through this movie. Yeah. Um. So I feel like I mean, is there anything else about this movie? It's a pretty straightforward narrative, mm-hmm. and I don't want to just get into just like saying what jokes made sure, us laugh. Yeah. Uh, it's a very funny movie. It definitely gets the seal of approval in terms of a comedy movie being funny. <laughs> yeah. But there's also just like a lot of depth there. And uh, obviously Tim and Eric are just a delight to watch. And, you know, I feel like uh, the film Twitter heads because of on cinema might lean more towards the Tim and Greg stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I'm guilty of that, too. I love it. You know, mm-hmm. I love Decker. I yeah. love uh, on cinema. But this brought me back to my roots. Yeah. Yeah, something like Awesome Show. Like I love, I love on cinema and stuff, stuff like that. But Awesome Show was like so influential for me that like, yeah, I don't know if anything's like, and I tie this movie into Awesome Show in a way. Like I don't yeah. know if 
I mean, I don't no, know. No, it's if what you said about that. Yeah, it's the end of the awesome show era. It's yeah. like this and check it out, kinda. Yeah, uh, we're kind of the end of that era, and it was a beautiful era. Yeah, what a way to send off, send it off to this this billion dollar big movie. Um. Oh, friend of the pod, Nathan Smith just interviewed Tim Heidecker. Really? Uh, oh yeah, it, I didn't know that. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. it was a cool little interview about their tour. Yeah. Uh, so check that out. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um. Not to just like get to plugs, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this is a great movie, and I I give it four bullets because it mm-hmm. makes you laugh, but it uh, it also <laughs> makes you think. I'm giving it five bullets. It's like I've I've watched this movie a good like this might be the fifth time, and once it's mm-hmm. connected to me, I mean, it really just maybe it's a little bit more representative of like my feelings of Awesome Show a little bit, maybe the rating, but oh, Awesome Show is a five bullet yeah. TV oh, show, yeah, yeah, no exactly. doubt, and same with Check It Out, yeah. But I just I feel the ener- energy of that TV show, you know, synergizing with this movie in obvious ways, and I mean, it's it's funny, of course, but it's really you know brutal, nasty, gross type of stuff I like nowadays. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, five bullets. Uh, you know, respect to Tim and Eric, and I'm glad that Aziz Asnari show. I'm glad he got me too, so Eric didn't have to do that anymore because that was kind of a, that was kind of a taint on his record. <laughs> I will say, yeah, that, that Aziz yeah. show is the worst thing that either one of them has been involved yeah. with. Bicycle yeah. Thieves show episode. Oh yeah, Bicycle Thieves oh, episode. Oh my god, come on! <laughs> I don't want to even. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm gonna stick this one with Malcolm. Five Hell fucking yeah. bullets. Um, I also relate to this a lot in the sense of just like loving awesome show, but unlike you guys like seeing this initially and not liking it, mm-hmm. this was like my gateway, um, oh, into Tim and Eric. Like I was, when I first saw some of the awesome show stuff, I wasn't as hip to that, um, uh, style of comedy, but I think, um, even though they do go pretty gross in billion dollar movie, I think like the more narrative structure made it like more palatable mm. to me as like a gateway and, uh, I'll always love it for introducing me to Tim and Eric. Nice. Nice. Um, so that's that on a billion dollar movie. Let's get into some emails. Uh, this one comes from Valerie January 16th. I'm sorry. Uh, it <laughs> went into the promotions folder. I was cleaning out the old spam and other yeah. stuff on Gmail, and I was like, oh, we miss this. You're just using the extended clip Gmail just to sign up for random accounts <laughs> Yeah, yeah. spam. <laughs> uh, subject line, if you're reading this, you're 20 minutes early. Um, oh, you know what? We set, we kept saying yeah. variations on that during our worst period as a podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the dog days. Uh, uh, hey, fellas, that subject line is all I got. Have a good one. Well, thanks, Valerie. Thank you. Uh, next one. Got a question. That's a good subject. From Jackson Murphy. Is this LCJ? <laughs> uh, 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 Finally, yeah. he's reaching out. This Finally. is uh, the good Jackson Murphy. Uh, hey, boys, I just moved to West Los Angeles, and I'm trying to figure out the best places where I can catch a flick. Could you give a lowdown on the repertory cinema scene of the area? Where to go and which calendars to follow? Uh, beyond that, any tips about which big multiplexes are solid and which to avoid would also be much appreciated. Loving the show. Keep up the good vibes. Well, I will send the good vibes right back to you, Jackson. Yeah. I like this question. Yeah, it's a good one. I yeah. think, um, well, I'm going to fucking dive right in. Go on. Um, Please. To say, for me, it's the Egyptian, the new Bev, 
and the arrow are probably the rep houses that I'm hitting the most, mostly for like convenience sake. Mm -hmm. Um, they're the easiest to get to. I also feel like program like a lot of the good shit. I mean, the new Mm -hmm. Bev has a really good selection usually. Yeah, of course, the new Beverly is great. Uh, mm-hmm. The American Cinematheque is the combination of the Arrow and the Egyptian, so they play kind of similar stuff. Uh, and those two theaters both have a lot of good stuff. It's kind of weekend centric for my tastes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, now I can go, but for the you know for eighteen months straight, I worked every mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sure. so I didn't go to either of those theaters for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the new Beverly has good stuff all week. Also, a weekend exclusive one is at UCLA, the yeah. Billy Wilder oh, Theater. Oh, yeah, UCLA Fox. Uh, their, uh, what's it called? Their archive is incredible. Yeah. So you're going to get some like really incredible rare prints there that you won't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently saw a double feature there of uh, Killer of Sheep and Bless Their Little Hearts. And both prints were fucking immaculate, mm-hmm. uh, which I did not expect. And then it's like, oh, I should have expected it. It's UCLA. Yeah. They know what they're doing. I think one of my favorite theatrical experiences ever there uh, was uh, Spike Lee's Girl 6 on 35mm and just like that Prince soundtrack just fucking blasted through the speakers. Oh boy, I had a good time. Yeah, Yeah, usually it's pretty good. They'll have free screening sometimes. I'm sad I missed the uh, What Time Is It There, Simon Lang screening that they had like a week ago or something. Yeah, But uh, they're also playing like Larry Clark's first film and which I don't really know much about, but I know it's like underseen, and it's just like holy shit! Like I really want to see that. That's a, a th- passing strange. It's for free too. But um, yeah. Some mo- all right. Some movie theaters I don't like though. I don't Ooh. like. I don't like the the AMC's in Burbank. Very bad environment. Very like there's there's three AMC's right next to each yeah. other in Burbank, and they all suck. One's in a mall. Like one's in like a shopping center. Parking, oh, don't get me started on the parking, but it's just like, <laughs> well, that yeah. one, the Century City Mall one, and I hate yeah. to just be uh, the, the Californians, Ma- yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah. the Century City Mall one, at least the parking structure is big enough to yeah. where you'll always find a spot, even if True. you have to take the escalator five floors yeah. or whatever. Uh, but yeah, that is just a hellhole, and it's always full of heads. Yeah. And um, if you're finding yourself having to go to a movie in Burbank, my recommendation is to just go a little further into the valley. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going to NoHo even. NoHo's better. Yeah. But once you get into like Van Nuys, Granada Hills, that's that's my multiplex yeah. region. Uh, uh, I would highly recommend, let's see. Uh, oh, the Good Dollar Theater is the uh, the Regency Valley Plaza 6 oh, in yeah. North Hollywood. You'll catch me there from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all the Regency theaters are good because mm-hmm. it's generally 10 bucks or less. Yeah, the Van Nuys Regency Plant 16. Yeah, they got okay. the matinee deals. Yeah, and 10 bucks, like... $11 tickets at night. It's pretty low now. Yeah, not terrible for yeah. these days. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, Pacific, if you go before noon, it's like the $6 or whatever. Yeah, I mm-hmm. fuck with... I mean, I will occasionally go to those AMC Burbanks yeah. because out of convenience sake... I mean, same. They're yeah. close by. Yeah. And also, they have the $6 Tuesdays the six, yeah. at AMC. Mm, Got to show respect to AMC for the $6. <laughs> Extended <laughs> clip is yeah. brought to you by AMC, AMC Theaters. Barstool AMC Theaters. <laughs> Who I did apply to work at the AMC West Hills a couple weeks ago. Did Ooh. not hear back. Damn. Uh, the AMC West Hills is a good one if you're ever like really fucking out. Like you said, West LA. If you're ever West West Valley yeah, or like Ventura County, and you don't want to go to the fucking expensive multi. For some reason, I've been to a couple multiplexes out there, and yeah. they're all just trash and super expensive. Yeah, but, Simi Valley, uh, like sit down. Grill, yeah, exactly. Sh- yeah, bullshit. the dining studio grill. Yeah. Avoid anything like that. Yeah. 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 
Fuck uh, the arc. I mean, like the arc oh, light arc kind of blows now. Yeah, it I used mean, to like, be really good and still not worth the price, but like a step above everything. I else. mean, now it's everything else. I yeah. I mean. It, the experience is all right, but it's just way too expensive. Way yeah. too fucking expensive. Their cheapest ticket you can get is like fourteen bucks if you go to like a ten a.m. Yeah, and come on, who's wait? Who's doing that? Yeah, but no, no, the only yeah. good thing I used to like about that, and I hate to out myself as this, but the ushers who would actually tell people to stop using their phones. Yeah, uh, they're pretty strict on that. Yeah, well, not anymore though. No, not anymore. Fuck. I mean, the ArcLight Sherman Oaks I've been to a few times out of convenience because, like, a lot of times it's the only place in the valley that'll show. A more independent film yeah. or whatever. Um, a lot of the A24 stuff will go there, which luckily I don't go to anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like the only place Broke I could free. see High Life, uh, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, people on their phones and shit. Damn. Yeah. I, I blame the culture. Yeah. Also, one I kind of like, although I feel like the tickets are somewhat expensive. I haven't been there in a while, but Arena Cine Lounge will show oddities and like yeah. DTV. Oh, yeah. I've and just like, we'll just times. have random like old movies playing. Like, I just remember. They just had like under the volcano playing there for like no reason, but uh, I mean not no reason. Yeah, but, uh. I think <laughs> for, for multiplexes, my overall recommendation for like a combination of not outrageous prices, chill vibes, mm-hmm. and like not the worst fucking theater in the world, uh, Granada Hills Regency is yeah. kind of my go-to. It's like nine bucks at night or ten bucks at night, mm-hmm. and uh, you know catch the matinee, get the get the discount, get the deal. Yeah, come to the valley, visit the valley. Come to the valley. That's yeah. the extended clip motto. Come <laughs> to the valley. Yeah. When I was parking here in Reseda, I was just seeing the wind blow. I was like, damn, the valley fucking rules. The valley is sick. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Paul Thomas Anderson, also a fan. Yeah. Hey, I, I agree with him. <laughs> uh, our next email comes from past guest, uh, Claire Ostrowski, and it is a video of uh, Nyan Cat, the original Nyan Cat. Well, the subject it? line is here it? is email to extended clip. Oh, it is the original. And, oh, nice. um, I just saw the thumb clip. It could have been something else. <laughs> is it the original? It's uploaded to Means TV, which is like the socialist ch- channel. I think, I think that they did a heel turn. They had Nyan Cat, and then they're like, we're going to use our clout for socialist messaging, making like hip agitprop videos, kind of like Eisenstein did or whatever. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap up this extended clip. Brought to you by Barstool, Means TV, AMC. (laughs) (laughs) You can always reach out to us at extendedclippodcast at gmail.com or at extendedclip69. Anything else you guys want to uh, shout out or plug before the end of the show? Uh, shout out damn I wish I had something to shout out shout out my roommate Scott (laughs) Uh, um, I don't have anything to say you don't want to reveal the names of your roommates I can Uh, (laughs) I can't